0: The Fake Show Podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Steffen. The Craft House Brewery, now with two locations. The Tone Factory Recording Studio. Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs. Mr. Antenna, now your host, Jim Tofty. Welcome to the Fake Show, everybody. My guest is the always interesting William Shatner, and every time I talk to him, he's got something to say about the planet and how we're treating it even more so now that he's had that incredible opportunity of viewing the planet from space. When he returned to Earth on Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin capsule, it was emotional not only for him, but for the millions of us who watched. We'll talk about that flight, his series The Unexplained, which has returned, and his relationship with the late, great Leonard Nimoy, as I have William Shatner on the line right now from his home in Los Angeles. William Shatner, how are you, sir? It's great to have you on the show again.
1: I'm, I'm great, and I'm glad to be on your show and tell you about The Unexplained, this uh, wonderful show that's on the History Channel, going to its third year, and it's very successful, both uh, critically and and audience-wise, and I urge your audience to look in nine o'clock Fridays. The new season begins, and the first show is about uh, treasures that uh, live beneath the surface of the uh, of the sea, and how mysterious what kind of uh, treasures it brings, and how it, uh, how the treasures got there. It's uh, really a really a fascinating show second episode, the week uh, uh, on Friday, uh, November 12th, is about satanic encounters. Does evil uh, live among us? Uh, Is Satan among us? And uh, that is also booga booga. It's really (laughs)
0: really
1: fascinating. And I urge your audience to take a a listen to my new album called Bill. It's out there right now. and It's getting phenomenal reviews. And I also do a talk show called I don't understand, which you can get streaming, and it's everything I don't understand, which is everything.
0: Staying busy is something that you really love to do, isn't it?
1: Well, I do. I mean, I want to have time for family and friends and and my animals, but what I've been asked to do and what has come up, you know, I I shot a documentary of this space trip I took and
0: working
1: on the documentary. It's just Fascinating. I was able to interview Jeff Bezos, for example, who turns out to be an extraordinary individual, a very loving, interesting man. And so the the, the mysteries of people and events continue to assail me, and I just can't not do it. It's too interesting.
0: It's so exciting, right. and uh, we were all riveted on the edge of our seats watching as you blasted off in the Blue Origin capsule. I have uh, never I have never seen anyone, because we're so used to these veteran astronauts, give a more heartfelt, emotional and touching account of what you had just gone through. It was just amazing.
1: Well, I, I tell you, uh, uh, while we are, that's interesting you should say that, because what that brings to mind is somebody who was uh, instructing us about, especially about how to get it back into our, our uh, reclining seat in uh, weightlessness. I mean, that, was, that itself was uh, uh, unexplained.
0: You know, <laughs> how do you explain
1: weightlessness? Uh, you know, here's how you get into your seat in a five-point harness when you're weightless. That t- took up most of our time. <laughs> so we're walking around in our astronaut suits, and 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 the instructor is just saying, oh, "Come on, stick your chest out, walk with a purpose. You're you're astronauts." And it struck me, wait a minute, I'm not an astronaut. I'm an actor. <laughs> uh, you know, those two guys are business people. We're not astronauts, because those astronauts are test pilots, and they, you know, and they walk. Yes, I'm an astronaut. No, we're not astronauts. We're like fumbling little human beings who have never been up there before, uh, and especially me, those. Apparently, everybody else had been in that vomit comet and had, had experienced weightlessness. I hadn't. And when I got there and was floating around, it was like, it was alarming. It was alarming is the word that comes to mind. But what I saw when I looked out that window, and uh, I'm looking back at the, where we're coming from and punching through the, the blue air, and I could see the wake of the spaceship, and I'm thinking, wow, that's interesting. The air, and pop all of a sudden, because it's this air that surrounds our planet and gives us life, it's only 50 miles thick. and Of course, only the bottom part, only the part near the Earth is what we can breathe. And at 2,500 miles an hour, you pop out of it very, you know, instantaneously, and as we pop out of it, I look to my right, and I see this black, stark, evil, cold death. And I look back, I see this yellow, white, blue nurturing thing and I see these lines of circumference. You can already see the horizon bending so that the curvature of the earth is, the size of the earth is measurable. And it's fragile and it's small it's beyond small it's a m- mote of dust in this vast expanse and i thought it was first of all it was wonder and then i was overwhelmed by sadness and that was the unexpected part i was so overwhelmed over what we're doing to the planet at this awe nature. I mean, I'm looking out my window right now and I'm seeing the haze of of fog just misting the mountains and the sun is rising and the earth is alive and there are trees and the whole beauty of nature. and And I've been studying the interconnectedness of nature and how everything, everything that's alive and dead uh, what we think of as dead uh, is so unified. And we humans are destroying it. And not just like, you know, we've got to do something uh, gradually. No, man. It's happening now. There's no time to kick it down the can down the road anymore.
0: I, I know and- how profound this is for you to have seen the viewpoint that you saw. But most people are just sitting there in their office cubicle or going to the grocery store or whatever, and they don't see that big picture. And, and I, I appreciate someone like you and other people who get the word out that we've got to do something.
1: We've got to do something now, not 50 years from now. You know, not yeah. uh, $5 billion here and $3 billion there. there. It, there's a cataclysm coming, and, and it's like a bad debt. You know, like we say, oh, well, I'll put a payment down tomorrow. Or next week when the next check comes in, this debt is being called in right now, and we got to pay it off by stopping. And I don't know. I don't know the answers any more than anybody else does. But I just know that I feel threatened to such a degree, and and I'm okay because I'm I'm aged and uh, and I've lived But my children and my grandchildren. Uh, just feel uh, such just sadness and grief.
0: I only wish we, we had more time. I wanted to ask you a couple of things going back a few years. I don't know if a lot of people knew this, but and I'm sure you've heard this many times, but that it was Lucille Ball, who basically was the head of Desilu Studios, who fought hard not only for the first Star Trek pilot, but for the second one after the first was rejected.
1: Well, there's a whole legend about Star Trek, and it's no, no question that Star Trek was part of of a, of a science fiction uh, evolution, if you will, and it begat a lot of science fiction programs. Uh, and a lot of people over the years have come to me and said, you know, I, I chose to be X, Y, and Z, uh, an astronaut and a doctor and, and a housewife because uh, of Star Trek. And I'm always uh, impressed and always... Um, Astounded at the power of of television, but if the power of television has any force left in it, it's to say to everybody in your audience or radio, you know, there's no time left. Uh, the politicians can monkey around and try and get reelected uh, by not voting so much money, and but the tidal wave, the tsunami is on its way, and you better get to higher ground now.
0: You're the sharpest 90-year-old I've ever known. It, it's always great to talk to you. And by the way, what do you think Leonard Nimoy would have thought of this, of you going up there?
1: Leonard was such a caring, feeling uh, man that he would he'd be weeping with me. Uh, we, we had so many beautiful experiences together. We lived very comparable lives. We were born four days apart, he in Boston, me in Montreal. And uh, our lives are very similar, divorce, death, children. We shared a lot. He would have shared this with me.
0: Was the first time you worked with him on The Man from UNCLE?
1: Well, who knows? All (laughs) this fails in comparison to the enormity of the subjects we're talking about. Uh, What Leonard uh, and where Leonard and I met and all. That's lovely and has a, a... a sympathetic vibration, but to, to tell you that the water in Las Vegas is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Uber> <laughs> Dam may not be necessary in a while, uh, is the important part.
0: Don't get me started. Well, it's Bill Shatner's The Unexplained. It's always such a great show on the History Channel and the music and everything else you've got going on right now. Always nice to talk to you, Bill. Stay well, my Thank friend.
1: Thank you. I look forward to the next one.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I loved his description of his old friend Leonard Nimoy and everything they had been through together. And man, don't try to steer Bill away from talking about what he wants to talk about. I love that guy. That does it for this episode of The Fake Show Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Jim Tofty. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes,
1: and thefakeshow.com.